Uh, In a moment, Jacob's going to come and read to us uh, from Numbers 14. Uh, We're taking just a little uh, quick sidestep away from our series in Luke, uh, because tonight's our our special student service. Uh, And so we're just going to focus on this chapter of Numbers 14. But just to to help you orientate yourself a little bit, um, Numbers 14 is found on page 150, uh, if you've got a church Bible. In terms of the story, uh, we're probably familiar with the, the story of Moses in Egypt, so God's people, uh, slaves under Pharaoh, uh, and then God uh, sends the ten plagues, and he carries the, the people out. Uh, they go through uh, the Red Sea, uh, they go to Mount Sinai where they're given the law, uh, and then they keep going on to the land that God has promised them. And in Numbers 13, uh, we see that the, the people send in 12 spies into the land. Uh, two of them say, the land is amazing. It is the best land ever. But 10 of them go, oh, no, 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 no. We, 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 the people are too big. They're too strong. We cannot go in. And then we get to Numbers 14. It's in, uh, we're not reading the whole chapter, we're reading uh, just three uh, parts from it. Jacob. So the reading tonight is from Numbers 14, um, where we're going to be reading verses 1 to 12, then jumping to verses 20 to 25, and then jumping again to verse 39 to 45. Numbers 14, starting at verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, or this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored this land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the lands, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all of the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and will destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the lands he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along the route to the Red Sea. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land that the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, Why are you disobeying the Lord's commands? This will not succeed. Do not go up, for the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Now, when we get to this point in the story, we, we, we can't forget everything that the Israelites have already experienced. Now, as I said before, that they were, they were slaves in Egypt. That they were downtrodden, they were oppressed, they were put upon, they were beaten. And then the Lord raised up Moses. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. But the Lord, by his uh, mighty hand, uh, compelled him. In the, in the Pharaoh versus God contest, there was no fight. They saw uh, mighty works as the Lord carried them out of Egypt, uh, ultimately in that uh, last plague. And then they arrived at the Red Sea where they see the sea in front of them and the army behind them and they think we have no hope. But then they see the Lord part the water so they can go through on dry land. And then they see the waters get pushed over again and the army wiped out. And they travel to, to Mount Sinai. They, they see that the smoke... That they hear the thunder. They see the stone tablets written with the Lord's own finger, with his words of the law. They see Moses' face, which is so bright, he has to have it veiled. And they keep going to the land he's promised them. You've been in slavery and here is life. Uh, and they uh, they send in the spies, <clears throat> uh, and the two of them say, "This land is amazing. It, it is the perfect land for us." But then ten of them go, mm, "No, it's all right. No, actually, we we, we won't." But, but here's the here's the real kicker of the situation. It's not simply that they think the Lord is wrong that this is not the right land for them. They actually think he's bad. Just look at verses two and three. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we died in Egypt or this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? 
Our wives and children will be taken of plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Lord, you're not simply you know, wrong. You're actually, you're bad. You're bringing us here for, to hurt us, to kill us. What are you doing? We're better off in Egypt. We're better off in Egypt. They're slaves. And that's their plan, that we're going to get a leader and we're going to march back into slavery. And, and so Moses and, and Aaron fall down before the people, not in, uh, in awe, but in sadness. They can't believe what they're doing. Uh, and then Caleb and Joshua, the two good spies, they say, look, the, the land is there. It's waiting for us. It is good. The Lord has brought us thus far. He will take us into the land. Let's go. And what do the people do? Verse 10. They talk about stoning them. They're basically saying, no, look, you are lying. You're lying. You're not telling the truth. And, and so therefore, because of your falsehood, we're going to stone you. And then in this, what's the Lord's reply? Verses 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I performed among them? I'll strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I'll make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. The Lord says, look, the, the people, they, that's it. None of them. Not one of them, none of the descendants, none of them are going to enter the land. Moses, I'm going to start again with you. I'm going to make you a, a new Abraham. I'm going to make you a new nation that's going to uh, be greater than, than ever was of Israel. But then in the, in the bit that we didn't have read, verses 13 to 19, Moses uh, appeals to the Lord. He, he intercedes for the people. He says, Lord, I know we've sinned, but, but please don't do that. Please, for, for our good and your glory, save your people. Have mercy upon your people. Don't let the, the others around say, look, you just brought this people out to spite them. No, no, show your wonders, show your glory. And then the Lord relents. And at this point, it's just, just a, a quick digression, just to ask that question then. Well, is, is this God changing his mind? Is this the Lord being influenced by a man? What's going on here? Well, the pastor R.C. Sproul about this passage has said this, just to help us with this question. He said, what in Moses' words and actions would possibly have provoked God to change his mind? I think what we have here is the mystery of providence, whereby God ordains not only the ends of things that come to pass, but also the means. God sets forth principles in the Bible where he gives threats of judgment to motivate his people to repentance. Sometimes he, specific, he spells it out specifically, but if you repent, I will not carry the threat out. But he doesn't always add that qualifier, but the qualifier is always there. And I think this is one of those instances. It was tacitly understood that God threatens judgment upon these people. But if someone were to plead for them in a priestly way, he would give grace rather than justice. I think that's at the heart of that, this mystery. 
In other words, God has always said, if my people will repent, I will be gracious toward them. Even if they're repenting through the act of another, uh, one who acting on their behalf. That is what God has promised he will do. He, that is his consistent character. So we might say in one respect, he has changed his mind. But we may also say, actually, no, he's simply acting consistently with who he is. Moses, on behalf of the people, pleads for the people. And so the Lord acts with grace and mercy. But nevertheless, there are still consequences. There are still consequences. Verses 21 and 22, or 21 to 23 rather. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on earth to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. That whole generation will not enter the promised land. But notice what the people said, that namely their children would be plunder and end up as slaves. You know, it's the children that are going into the land. The people said, no, Lord, you're leading our children to death. And the Lord says, no, I'm leading your, my, your children to life. But because of your disobedience, because of your contempt, that whole generation will not enter the land. They're half-hearted in their following of the Lord. And when Moses tells them this, we see it all the more clearly. Verse 39. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. When Moses said, you will not go to the land, they mourned. But then they changed their mind. Verse 40. Early next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, now we're ready to go to the land. The Lord promised, surely we've sinned. It's a bit like when we tell our kids off at dinner time. Oh, you can't do that, and so you can't have pudding. Oh, sorry, Daddy. Cake now. It's like, oh, sorry, promised land now. They don't mean it. They don't mean it. It's half-hearted. It's too late. Verses 42 and 43. Don't go up, Moses says, because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there because you've turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Don't do it. Don't make the same mistake. You've already ignored the Lord. Don't do it again. Don't go to the land. But verse 44, nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the highest point in the hill country. Though Moses nor the ark of the Lord could move from the camp, and the Amalekites and Canaanites lived in the hill country, came down, attacked them and beat them. Their devotion is not to the Lord. Their devotion is to themselves. At the start of the chapter, they wanted to go back to Egypt, back to where they thought safety was back to slavery and here they want to go into the land even the lord's not with them they're always after themselves 
Their devotion is about what they can get for themselves rather than for the Lord. They're half-hearted toward him. And so they don't enter the land. But there is one who's different. There is one who's different. Caleb. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Caleb was one of those good spies. Caleb trusted the Lord and took him at his word. Early on, we heard him say that. He said, look, the Lord is good. He's with us. Let's go. He was wholeheartedly following after the Lord. He took him at his word. And he's not persuaded by being in a minority. Uh, Two were good, ten were bad. It'd be very easy, wouldn't it, to go, oh, hang on, have I got it right? And we've probably seen this experiment, or maybe in part of those experiments, where, you know, there's ten people in a group and nine of them are told to vote for the wrong answer. And so when they ask the question and the one person kind of puts their hand up on their own, they feel like, oh, have I got it right? And then often they change their minds because of the pressure of the group. Well, here, Caleb could think, oh, hang on a minute, maybe... Maybe actually this isn't such a good idea. Maybe I'm not right. But no, Caleb is wholehearted. He's going to stand up for the Lord and stand firm upon the Lord, even by doing it in the minority. He's wholehearted. Be a Caleb. Be a Caleb. Be wholehearted. In this chapter, we see the half-hearted Israelites longing to go back to Egypt and then longing to go into the land on their own, out for themselves. Whereas Caleb takes the Lord of his word. Be a Caleb. What does that mean? How does that ground it? A few years back, I I worked with students for some years. Uh, And so here's a couple of stories from student worlds. Here's the first one, a guy called Jason, not his real name. Uh, Jason turned up to university. He was a, a dead keen Christian. He, he came from a, a church that, that helped him to, to know Jesus. Probably not too dissimilar to, to one like this. Uh, I was working for a church at the time and, and he came straight along and he was really keen to get involved uh, in church life. He wanted to meet up with me and we would meet up every week to, to look at the Bible together and to know more about Jesus from the Bible. But Jason also loved hockey. And he wasn't that good at it. So I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He just was in the, the third or fourth team. But he really loved hockey. And we just noticed, sort of Sunday by Sunday, he, he just, he wouldn't be at church that much. He'd come, and then he wouldn't see him for a few weeks. He still met with me every week. But he really loved hockey. And, and when you're at university, uh, if you're really good and you're in the top team and you can sort of say what you want to do. But if you're in the, the third or the fourth team, it's not so much about how good you are. It's more about how you are on Wednesday night and the nightclubs and the pubs. And he really loved hockey. And so he, he just he, he loved to fit in with the hockey boys. And then we just sort of saw him a bit less and the year went on and he, he basically stopped coming to church. He still met with me. And then after that year, I, I moved on and uh, the person who took over from me sort of met him a few times. 
but he basically stopped. And then I met up with him that year, and I just said, how are you doing, really? And he basically just told me, don't really care anymore. He basically said, I want to go back to Egypt. And that's really hard. Really hard to, to somebody who you would love to be knowing Jesus, following Jesus, to say, I want to go back there. And that's what he did. That's Jason. Uh, Steve, um, again, not his name. Um, Steve became a Christian just before starting university. Uh, he was at Eastbourne. Uh, just down the road, very small little uh, college university, part of Brighton and in Eastbourne, uh, just lots of sports courses there. He just became a Christian just before university, and he knew absolutely nothing, and it was brilliant. And we would meet up, and we'd look at the Bible, and every week his eyes would light up, and he, he just loved it, and he lapped it up. And because of the type of place that Eastbourne was, everybody knew that, that Steve was the Christian in the year. And everyone loved to chat to Steve because he was a top guy. And then throughout the year, uh, we'd keep meeting and he kept growing. And then we met for the next year and the next year. And, and we just had a, a fantastic friendship that grew. And he kept growing more and more to know and love Jesus. And his mates around him did the same. He was known in the whole university as the Christian, but not just the Christian, as the guy you can go talk to. And then he left university, went on, and now he's uh, a, a husband and a father and is following Jesus and is, is pressing on towards the promised land. His life before would have loved to have been in Egypt. He could have very easily have gone back, but no, now his face is there and he is going. He's wholehearted. Do you want to be Jason or Steve? The people in Numbers 14 had seen so much of the Lord's goodness, but do you know what? We've seen more. We've seen more. Because they saw the Lord's works, whereas we've seen the Lord's son. And I use that word seen very deliberately. We have seen uh, Jesus crucified before our eyes. We've seen not simply his, his part of his goodness. We've seen his goodness incarnate. We've, we stand in a far greater position than they. His goodness, his holiness, his beauty, his majesty, his sovereignty. We stand in a better position than they. And we don't look forward to a land. We look forward to a new creation where every tear will be wiped away. We stand in a far greater position than they. We've seen his goodness. And we know that because we have one who intercedes for us. That we will get there. So don't turn back to Egypt. Push on. Look ahead. Keep going. So whatever lies ahead before you, maybe you are starting university and there's a whole host of new world there for you. 
Maybe you're starting a new year at school or, or, or starting a new school. Or maybe actually you're just going back to the same job that you've been at for 20 years. Or into family or whatever it might be. Press on. Be wholehearted. Remind yourself of the Lord's goodness. Remind yourself that that life is not behind you. It's not going to Egypt. No, life is ahead of you. It's pressing on towards the hope and faith and life we have in Christ. Uh, Knowing that every decision you make for Jesus, you will never regret, even if you're in the minority. At school, university or work. You will never regret it. Following after him is of greater worth than anything. So how can you do that as we sort of draw to a close? Two ways. Through his word and his people. It's not a a new, something new. It's something old. It's through uh, seeing Jesus in the Bible on your own, but also at church. Coming to a church is going to help you to do that. To see Jesus, to see his kindness and goodness and grace to you. To come to a church, to be amongst his people, we need each other. It's great that we can be chatting to one another after services, to be spurring one another on. The old phrase is true, a lone ranger is a dead ranger. We need each other. His word and his people. Be wholehearted. As we close, a final story. This is not a student one. Um, This is about a man called Bob. Uh, Bob's in his 80s now. Uh, I knew him when he was in his 70s. Uh, Bob became a Christian when he was in his early 20s. Uh, And throughout his adult life, he just faithfully went to get to know Jesus through his word and by meeting with his people. He got married and he raised up his children to know Jesus as well. And week by week, month by month, year by year, he kept his face towards God's kingdom. And then in his early 70s, sadly, his wife uh, died of cancer. And at the church, we thought it might be the the breaking of it. We thought that might be it. Uh, Because his wife was really kind of the the life of the, the marriage, if you will. But actually, Bob kept his face towards heaven. He kept persevering on and pushing on. He kept day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, just knowing Jesus and his word and his people and longing for that day. He knew where his wife was and he was longing, longing to go there. He wasn't looking back. He wasn't regretting. He wasn't saying, I wish I could be here. His face was turned to Christ, turned to his kingdom. And today, Bob is still doing that. Praying, longing, being. I want to be Bob when I'm 80. (laughs) Be wholehearted and never regret it. Look ahead and trust in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can be assured that you are for us, 
and be assured that life is ahead of us. And whatever situation we, we are coming into, whether it be university or school or work, uh, help us to be having our head to you, being wholehearted toward you, uh, not turning back, but looking ahead to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On your way in, you were all given these uh, little cards. Uh, they've got the names of uh, uh, people in their sort of their student age. Uh, some are going to university, some are having gap years, some are uh, just finished university. And it just has a little bit of uh, detail about w- what's going on. Uh, these are going to be for two purposes. The, the first one is to, to take home with you. Uh, please do just pray for this person. Um, it, we have more at the back. You can take others uh, as you go out. Please do that uh, as well. Um, so please take them and pray for them. But what I'd like you to do now is just take uh, 30 seconds now and pray in this sermon for this person on the card.